I'm a little sad. Why is that? Because this may be our last show together. That's right, yes. Ever. Now, not because we're splitting up, but no, because no, uh, we it could be up. the end of the world as you know it. Hi folks, I come to you from the uh, bunker that might or might not be in my backyard and might or might not contain a lot of gold in which I put all my money after running on the bank. Who knows? This Week in Mormons is here to find out. I'm Jeff Openshaw, your intrepid founder and host, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by none other than my dear friend and longtime associate, Jared Gillens. Hello. Hi. I How wish I knew that you um, had all your gold there in your bunker. Do I or do I? <laughs> I mean, we could have recorded this show together and I could have, I don't know, profited from this uh, little free venture that I contribute <laughs> my time to once a month. <laughs> we will never record this show. I told you before we started, I was thinking of having you and your wife down for dinner. And then, uh, well, times have changed a little bit and I don't think we'll be socially interacting. No, uh, we will be few- socially distancing <laughs> for a few months. So I want uh, at least 20 miles between us. Ooh, I actually don't think we're quite at that. Are we? I don't know if it's See, a full 20 might. I, I, it, it's not on purpose that I always start the show with it's a our monthly how far away from me you live. <laughs> we are so Sorry. far. I want at least 15 miles between us. How about that? That's probably fair. You're lucky I don't live in Leesburg or something. Then you could really tease me for being so far. Well, away. and the other thing is too, that unless I'm like actually looking at a map, I'm I'm actually really terrible at judging distance. Like... Um, unless I've run that distance and I'm like, oh yeah, I, you know, if I'm driving past a spot and I'll be like, oh yeah, I ran this the other day and that was my turnaround point. So I know that's about 2.5 miles from my house, you know, or whatever. Um, like other than that, I just don't know how far away things are. So that's my secret shame. I mean, at least you're honest about it. That's, <laughs> mm, that's what maps are for. I love maps though. Boy, do I love maps. You ever want to read a good book, everybody? Maphead by Ken Jennings. Thoroughly entertaining. Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy champion and Latter-day Saint, we might add. Yeah. A good read. If you want to I, I haven't read that, but I do listen to his bi-weekly podcast called The Omnibus. Yeah, I haven't actually, I know he does that. Is it good? It is good. It's very entertaining. He does, his, his co-host is um, named John Roderick. He's the, one of the frontmen for the band it's kind of a smaller indie indie band called the long winters they're seattle based much like ken uh, jennings is seattle based they just sound like way too hip i've never heard of them yeah they probably are too hip cool. you, jeff um, probably are but anyway so they they take turns choosing a topic an obscure topic and they talk about just these funny trivial things from world history or from whatever and pop history a lot um yeah it's they're pretty funny and 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 educational so anyway yeah ken jennings he please listen to him he's not sponsoring our show in any way not in any way and we have no idea if he even goes to church still i don't know we have no idea if he listens to this week in mormons i i venture that he does um because the brethren do so why would he not do do you have evidence that the brethren listen I mean, what, what, like, what is evidence? How do we define evidence, Jared? You know, do I have a feeling in my gut telling me that this is real? Yes. Uh, Is that feeling the spirit? No, but I have a feeling in my gut. There have been a lot of times on Facebook uh, or social media in general this week when I've wanted to ask people about evidence and I, and I have a feeling (laughs) that they're going off the same evidence that uh, you are. Probably something like that. Though, okay, I don't assume anyone listens to the show. However, Given some of the at least tangential interactions I've had with Church HQ or others that have, I actually want to think they are at least aware of the podcast's existence. I'm pretty sure that's true. I don't think they're monitoring it or anything, but I'm pretty sure it's a. I'm pretty sure they're at least aware at some level that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. That's all I can say about that. That's all yep. I'm allowed to reveal. I've signed many NDAs. That's all I've got. <laughs> Well, that's something. Yeah. So, evidence. Um, this way, everybody, welcome to our coronavirus hysteria bonanza. We're very excited to be here this week. Pretty much that's all that's going on. I believe I am now re- restricted to my property I probably until summer or something. So, here I am. And uh, I'll... <laughs> 
most, as you might imagine, most of the Latter-day Saint news that's gone on this past week has been in one way or another related to the excitement of coronavirus or COVID-19, the actual sickness one gets from the novel coronavirus. So, uh, the, the the excitement of global pandemic, which, you know, we're all feeling in our bones. This is like pretty surreal right now. I never, th- who thinks they're going to live through anything like this, right? I don't know. I mean, I have our, our parents, I don't think have even lived through anything like this. I know we've had various sicknesses here and there, you know, H1N1 came, SARS, Ebola, things have happened. But So uh, we'll get to, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe, so there was, um, we'll, we'll get, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but Jana Reese wrote an article uh, who I understand, I is one of your favorite uh, bloggers, I think. Is a, is a, I think that's what I got from... Uh, Are you being sarcastic? Yes, I, I listened to... No, I actually, I like... I like. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. I like Jana Reese. I genuinely do. But sometimes I don't mind taking her to task. Because sometimes, like any writer, she writes stupid articles. She, she likes ha- to rankle sometimes. She likes to rankle for no reason. And sometimes she has poorly supported points. And I don't mind calling her out for that. Right. But so bro- broadly that speaking, pointed- I like Jana. Right, right. So one of the things she pointed out in her in her article, I guess we could just talk about her article. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, one of the things that she pointed out. So she wrote an article. Where is that? I have a tab open at some point. Here it is. And uh, one of the things that she pointed out was that um, the it was in. She said most. Sorry, I'm going to find this quote. Give us some filler. We'll, why I find this quote? We'll just wait here while you. Look for it, Jared. No dead and mar- air. And marvel at your lack of preparedness. So, uh, you know, the, the nice thing about this headline here, it says, right. Dear Mormons, please take coronavirus seriously. Because as you've seen over the past week, many people think this is just some deep state brouhaha. You know Jared, continue. It, well, you know what's unfortunate about that headline is that there are people who will see the headline that uses the word Mormons and immediately not take it yes. seriously. Because they've <laughs> said, well, she's not using the full name of the church, therefore... I'm not going to read any further. That's actually a fair point. And uh, uh, I think we'll get to a couple of other things about some of our, of our pharisaical bents as Latter-day right. Saints, I believe, right. as we go today. But yes. All right. So she's talking about general conference, um, how, the big changes about uh, how you know people aren't going to be in attendance <laughs> at all uh, as far as being in the conference center or even in stake centers. We're all supposed to just view from home. And she says it's, uh, it's not the first time the general conference has been closed to the public but it is the first that it has occurred during many members' lifetimes. This happened roughly 75 years ago during World War II. And then she says, President Russell Nelson, who is 95, no doubts remember that, but most of the rest of us do not. And I think that's, uh, like you were pointing out, this is something, uh, this global pandemic is something that, you know, who thought we would go through something like this? Um, because, yeah, nothing like this has happened in our lifetimes. I would I would go ahead. I, I don't think it's too bold to say something like that. It's... it's um, it's a it's a strange time to be alive. I know it really is this, and it's. I feel like this has been rolling out for a while. We've been watching this in China since January, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just snowballed. Everything here in the U.S., at least where we are based, has just royally snowballed in the past week. I mean, we went from hey, let's. I mean, I was laughing. I remember even it was only last week, last Tuesday, like I went to lunch and did some shopping during lunch, like no big, I've been minding what I've been touching and stuff, but like no big deal. And then by the time Friday came around, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not touching anything. I'm not shopping again. I'm like, that's it. Well, it's funny. Like uh, I saw um, a tweet where somebody was joking around and basically the the gist of the tweet was, you know, you know, today as a, at 11 AM, I have been to the store. I have bought all of my dry goods and shopped everything I need to, to survive alone in my home for the next two months. I never need to leave the house again. And then it said today, 1130 AM, I went back to the store because I wanted a Twix. (laughs) And that's kind of what my shopping this week has been like, where like early in the week, you know, my wife sent me out and she said, you know, get, get the food, get everything that we need. So I was buying things like rice, and canned beans and canned tomatoes and just like things that like you know where i can make good meals but with like hearty long-lasting things lentils whatever yeah yeah yeah. um and then um like two days later we were like looking at our food stores and we were like okay this is good we have everything we need to survive and then i was like it would be really nice to have some chips and ice cream and so i went back to the store (laughs) and people were like staring at me because i'm buying like little fruity yogurts and things like that. And they're like, wow, you're not really going crazy here. Are you? And I, was, oh, I went crazy two days ago. And now we're just getting like the, the treats. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I imagine, you know, until they tell us that, you know, it's, it's, it, we should be 
not only social distancing, but, you know, more like self-quarantining, I, I, I'm planning to go back to the store and especially as things get restocked and go back and, you know, have fresh things. It's nice to have, you know, fresh produce and milk and eggs and things like that. So as long as it's still considered safe to venture outside and buy a couple of things at the store, I think that's okay. But we just need to pay attention and change our behavior when it becomes appropriate to do so. Yeah. Um, let's use this time though, Jared, to let's soapbox a little bit. Okay. About, look, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. Mm. Good disclaimer. But, Good. Th- thank you. But I'm like a Dr. Phil. No, I'm a Dr. Oz. I'm like Dr. Oz. So uh, let, let's just, and this also goes with Jana's post. We should take this seriously. Latter-day Saints, Mormons, whatever you want to call ourselves. We should take this seriously because I've seen so much nonsense online that, that completely refutes what the Centers for Disease Control are actually saying. Like the agency that's a nonpartisan government agency staffed with experts in this area. And we don't know everything about the coronavirus, but I love that people are saying more people die from the flu. I'm like, well, yes, because we're like a month into this thing. Of course, right. more people die from the flu. And that's like globally. Like, yes, of course that happens. That's natural because everyone claims hard numbers from one other thing. Well, more people get the flu. Well, that might very well be the case. But the flu also has a death rate that is something, at least at this point, like what, 30 times less right. than what coronavirus could be. And so that's just something to bear in mind, people. I'm sure some of you listening think it's been overhyped. And I might even be inclined to agree with you in some ways. I think we're prone to hysteria. I think the media naturally wants to milk this, and it's the story to cover in every way imaginable, and that's understandable. But when you still look at the hard numbers, this is a disease we don't totally understand. And most crucially, unlike the flu, we don't have a vaccine for it. Right. We're the flu, nor, we have a vaccine every single body. year. It's a not like they keep using, you know, sometimes some, one of the terms you'll see in the, in the news is novel coronavirus, novel in the sense that it's new, meaning yes. that most of our bodies, most of our immune systems don't, we, we have, most of us have, have experienced a flu or have at least received a flu shot. So our immune system has some sort of passing familiarity with the type of thing that it deals with when it gets a flu. The novel coronavirus COVID-19 is something none of our bodies for the most part have encountered before so well i don't know not- i mean cer- certain leaders suggested that we could just use the flu vaccines yeah so don't listen to them better listen to the scientists okay fair enough uh, <laughs> so like like we don't have the vaccine. We won't we could get one. Okay, thankfully it's a viral issue so we can develop a vaccine for this. Good. But that takes 12 12 to 18 months. And so the name of the game right now, and I'm so thankful for the great visual artists, and now you've seen this everywhere on social media, it is all about spreading out that curve, right? They show that, that, that chart that shows the spike in Philadelphia during the influenza epidemic in 1918 Mm -hmm. because the authorities didn't shut stuff down, didn't engage in social distancing, and it went through the roof and it exceeded capacity for the healthcare infrastructure. Whereas authorities in St. Louis did enact a lot of measures and they kept it sort of just below that line where it would have breached what the healthcare system could handle. And that's where we are right now, everybody. That's what we want to do. So when people think we're being fanatical and crazy to engage in social distancing, to reduce all of our exposure and behavior and engagements and all these things, if we do it together, people are still going to get this. Yes. But we keep it drawn out enough that those who get it can get the treatment they need, hopefully, while we develop the actual vaccine to combat it going forward. And that's right. the only way we're going to make it. If we all just don't care and we're all partying during spring break on Daytona Beach or something. Which is happening. Yes. Right. Then we're just going to spike right up. Right. Um, I guess I saw a hilarious picture that, you know, the Disney parks have all closed, but the last day before they closed Disney World, the park was, the Magic Kingdom was slammed full of people trying to get it in one last time. I understand the draw of doing that, but like, how stupid is that? Why are you going to be at a park with 30,000 people shoulder to shoulder watching fireworks? Right. This is going on. It's a small world after all. I picked up a novel coronavirus from the Far East. (laughs) You know, like, come on. What are you doing, people? So, like, the, the, the science right there is there. 
I've right. like, you know, I fully understand we can blow this out of proportion, but like, this is what we have to do right now and be extra careful. And we know that, and also of course people say, if you feel fine, go out and be fine. But this doesn't, you can have no symptoms and you can still have it. You can be carrying it. And you could like, be interacting with a person who has no symptoms and get it from them. And it's not just about you right now. Like this, this is a time when we have to get out of our heads and I'm not trying to turn this into a political thing, which has also frustrated me because somehow this has become a weird political thing where a bunch of right wing whack nonsense stuff is trying to act like this is some sort of conspiracy. Um, yeah, I've seen those posts as well. There's a lot of that going on, but it's not a political thing. It's just that we have to get each other's backs. There is an element of social good here in that we have to not think about just ourselves. We have to think about that it's up to each and every one of us well, that, to help a- our own society get right. to a better place with this. That's the only way it's going to work. Right. And that's actually a good segue into another article that we wanted to talk about today. So in Jana Reese's article, which I think, you know, we haven't summed it up completely, but we've summed up her main point, I think, pretty well, which is be thoughtful, take this seriously, uh, trust the science, don't, um, you know, go in for the conspiracy theories or, you know, or for whatever else, like, you know, educate yourself and take this seriously. But in her article, she also linked to an article written by uh, Sam Brown on by Common Consent. Uh, which is a blog that I, I think mm-hmm. often has very good content. And Sam Brown is one of those that you can pretty well trust that he he has very thoughtful articles. So he actually is an ICU doctor. And so he wrote um, uh, a post titled one latter day Saint view of the novel coronavirus of 2019, 2020. And his take was from the point of view of a doctor. And he did reiterate a lot of the things that Jana Reese uh, pointed out in her opposed and the the things that we've been talking about as far as taking it seriously as far as it being a medical emergency but he also adds in the spiritual element so you were talking about uh jeff just now the sort of social element of we owe it to one another as good members of a functioning modern society to be thoughtful of how we spread this to one another and he brought in a very i think a very needed spiritual element too and i want to quote one paragraph he said rhetoric about how healthy people will do just fine, and what do we care if a few more old people die than usually die of seasonal influenza, seems to me to be a Darwinist denial of what is best in gospel and and in us. It is beneath us as God-believers and disciples of Jesus. We are called to care and to sacrifice on behalf of those who suffer rather than to gloat that it's them, not me. And I thought that was such a needed perspective. And he goes on in the, later on in the article to talk about how we do owe one another as members of a covenant uh, of the gospel to bless each other, or at the very least to not hurt one another and to be thoughtful of the spiritual and physical needs that we each have for each other. And I thought that was just really good and insightful. Uh, and to remind ourselves that it's not just about staying home to keep ourselves healthy. It's about thinking about our, our neighbors and loving our neighbors as much as we love ourselves, as Jesus pointed out that we're commanded to do, um, to make sure that we are all taken care of. And it's, you know, I, I just, I, I highly recommend both, both Jana's article and Sam's article are really good. And I think our listeners should check those out. Okay. Good plug. Well, maybe we'll, I want to, I want to go back to the, the main stuff that happened last week. Very specific to the church. So a lot of this, the church started reacting a lot midweek last week, rolling out a bunch of adjustments we were going to undertake because of the coronavirus. You know, it started with, this started weeks ago, of course, you know, when they slowed down missionary work in temples in Asia. And then little by little, even globally or stateside, there was a trickle of things, closing some other temples, pulling back here and there, uh, changing classes at BYU. And then Thursday night, things got real. And the church just finally came out and said, all right, that's it. Church is stopping in the classic sense. Uh, We are not meeting, no more meetings of whatever kind that may be. Okay. So no more meeting for church or for ward activities. They'd already talked about state conferences being canceled prior to that. Like this is it. Bishops will talk to their stake presidents about how to handle the sacrament. Uh, Other than that, this is a great time to embrace home center church and really make the most of that. So that was, we'll talk about some of the other ones, but that was the, that's the big deal. And we all experienced that this past Sunday for the first time. Uh, Jared, naturally, I'm, I'm curious how it was for you guys. I thought for us, it was pretty good. Uh, and I did, it did make me realize, you know, I always say, this is my bad. I, we have not been amazing with come follow me as a family. And I already kind of wish we 
already have been and had even more of that groundwork laid because it's you see how it, it plugs and plays pretty nicely if you are attempting to uh, to do church in that sense. And our stake president said we could have the sacrament weekly like normal if the home has a worthy priesthood holder. So so we got together and had a little sacrament meeting, did the sacrament, had a lesson. I have young b- boys and they didn't fully get it. They just thought it was kind of funny, you know, that we were doing all this and that was fine. Also, uh, I'm made- curious, I'm curious what your sacrament looked like. Um, did you use bread? Uh, did you like just have one slice of bread that you broke up between you guys? Like, what, Sure, what you sure. So, so um, I got out a bunch of like, I got out four uh, like kids cups that we have, like the little plastic kids cups from Ikea. All mm-hmm. you parents know the ones I'm talking about. And one of those kids plates from Ikea, I put like half a piece of wheat bread on there. Uh, and then for the sacrament, like we, I have my little tablet thing out. We put a sacrament hymn on uh, like a kid's sacrament hymn that the boys might know uh, from primary. Which, go figure, there are children's sacrament hymns. This is what I discovered this weekend. I didn't know if we'd have one. Um, or if it was just going to be like in memory of the crucified. And the boys would be like, what are we singing? So I played that. And then I just knelt down there and just, you know, it took a couple seconds. Just tore the bread into four little, tore a couple pieces off the bread. And poured the water into the individual cups. And then we, you know, it's very low key in that sense. So then, you know, we blessed the bread and I administered it to the rest of my family and just took one for myself. And then when we were ready, we just did the prayer for the water. And, uh, it was, you know, it was pretty quick as you might imagine. And that's, Oh yeah. I'll probably do, I'm going to strive to do a little bit more as far as setting. Um, I think, cause I just kind of got out these, the, the plate and the cups and we just sort of put them on the coffee table and did it. I think I might try to get some kind of a white cloth or something just to make it a little bit more reverent and respect what it is just to do as much as we can. I try to be very reasonable and realistic when we're doing things like this, especially because right now we're in kind of a bunker mentality, mm-hmm. but, but I think I still want to make the most of it. Like I didn't fully dress up for church per se, but I put on like some, my work slacks and a dress shirt. I wasn't wearing a tie or anything, but we tried to get at least a little bit, set to to set the mood and set the scene so yeah. what about you yeah so we did something similar we don't have children uh so we do it was just uh kelsey and me doing a sacrament meeting with each other and but we tried to kind of model it after the pattern of a sacrament meeting and so we we, we sang an opening hymn together and it's always a pleasure to sing with kelsey because she just has she she's she has a, a beautiful of, voice. She, yes. she does have a beautiful voice, and she has she's has training in in music and theater and things like that. So you know, I'm singing melodies, and I'm and I'm, I'm I'm holding my own. But she's like, as we sing each verse, she's switching up and singing all the different parts, and it's just wonderful. It's, it brought a nice um, spirit and it made it feel just really lovely atmosphere to start our meeting. Uh, we had an opening prayer. Uh, we instead of like. You know, I mean, I know we don't do announcements anymore, but we were like, well, let's have an announcement. And we watched uh, President Nelson's uh, little video where... where uh, it, it, I should have done that. I should have done that video. Yeah, his message of hope. Uh, and uh, that was one of the things we wanted to talk about anyway. But yeah, President Nelson put a, a video up on his Facebook page and the, the church went ahead and then put it up on the on the main w- website on churchofjesuschrist.org. And he just, it's a great message. It's just him being very encouraging and saying, you know, we're going through a hard time right now, but have faith and take this opportunity to grow closer to the Lord and to exercise trust in him. And I mean, I'm very much paraphrasing here. You should all just watch it for yourselves if you haven't already. And, and did you see that it was trending on YouTube, like top five trending videos? At no, the I time? didn't see that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It trended pretty well in the comment. And sometimes the church turns comments off on videos for sure. understandable reasons, right. but, but they weren't here. And it was great because there were tons of people commenting who are not members of our faith. And this was just something that's resonated with the community well, globally. Yeah. It's just a message of hope. During well, and it really is a very, it, I wouldn't even say it's specifically a Christian message of hope, although he does mention Jesus Christ, but it's just a very positive message of hope that we're going to be okay and the world's going to get through this and let's all, you know, be hopeful together. And so we, we, we made that our little, uh, I guess, announcement section of the sacrament meeting. Yeah. We sang a sacrament hymn and what we did, you know, I, because there's just two of us. And so I kind of thought, you know, I guess I could tear a piece of bread up, but it was weird. I was like, would I just tear it in two? We each eat eat half a slice of bread. That felt weird. And then I was like, you know what? Jesus instituted this at the Passover, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when you look at like a matzah cracker, which like the modern Jews use as unleavened bread, it's a cracker. It's so I, I just pulled a cracker out of a box and I broke it in two. And that was our sacrament bread. And I, you know, 
bless that. I debated doing something like that. I thought about just grabbing some wheat thins. Yeah, <laughs> which like I that. think is entirely appropriate. It, I mean, it is fine. Yeah, technically, it is bread. It's a it's a it's a different form of bread, but it's bread. So that's what we used. Um, and, uh, and that way I felt like it was less wasteful to just to, you know, just to have, you know, we, we just split a cracker. It was a good sized cracker. So, uh, we just got like a normal piece of sacrament bread. Uh, and then for our cups, we just, um, we have some kind of, they're glass, but they're kind of smaller dessert cups. And I just put a little bit uh-huh. of water in each of them. About. Yeah. We, so we use those and it was really nice, you know, and, and like you said, it doesn't take long when you don't have to pass the sacrament to 150, 250 people. Um, so we, but we did take a moment after we each ate our cracker and drank our water. We just took like a minute or two to sit and reflect quietly like we normally would while you're waiting for the, um, priesthood holders to, to finish their duty. And, um, so that, so that was nice too. And it was very quiet because it was just the two of us and it was a really nice reflective moment. And then after that, instead of like, we, neither of us prepared like a talk or anything like that. But so we sat down and we watched a couple of general conference talks from uh, October. It was just nice to review. We, we watched Elder Uchtdorf geeking out about hobbits. And, uh, and then the other one was Elder Budge. And his was a really good, um, for us, for our just current situation, the things that we're going through, he had talked about like trusting in the Lord's timing and having hope amid um uncertain times and uh there you go yeah it's really great for for you know it's a message we needed to hear and then we had a closing hymn and a closing prayer so we kind of followed a, a sacrament reading structure we we forewent sunday school <laughs> for the day we had had a pretty good in-depth come follow me discussion like the day before so we're like this is probably good but yeah, you know i, I think, think you're fine we well and yeah. I, th- I, I mean i know we're fine but i think if this continues for we were just talking before the show started, you know, that what the projections for how long this may last. And if this goes on for a while where we don't have a formal sacrament meeting, I think we will probably try to formalize it a little more and kind of have some structure because I think there's value in that um, to know that, you know, you're preparing for Sabbath services and part of that is preparing for a come follow me Sunday school type stuff. Uh, so, yeah, so, but it was good. It was, it was nice. And it was, we missed being in the company of other saints of our fellow covenant bearers, but um, it was nice to have each other at the very least. Yeah, for sure. One thing. Um, so we, instead of like talks, we kind of combined the two. So during the, what would be the, the talk portion of a sacrament meeting, we kind of pivoted to that and just went out of the primary come follow me manual and mm-hmm. just covered the content there. So we could have a discussion with the boys about some of the stuff. So well, I think that's good. And, and, that's and what I we did. your boys are at an age they would have had a hard time sitting through conference. Yeah. Time, they, w- so. they wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I don't, don't know if I'll repeat, I had this novel idea to make it special. We don't have a piano in our house. I need to get one. Uh, but we have guitars. Mm. And so I got my guitar out and figured I could just play some, you know, we did some song like did I am a child of God to start off and the boys knew it. But when I got my guitar out, that just means it's party band time for the boys. So it actually made it a lot harder to settle down and have church because they went and ran and he, they got like their little drum <laughs> and they grabbed all my harmonicas out of my guitar case and we're just playing, just blasting on harmonicas. And they so went, you had like an evangelical praise music of sort of uh, time there. Oh, they even grabbed the flute that my mom brought them from China. Mm. And so they had all this stuff and they were having like the time of their lives. But at the same time, I was like, okay, we need to put all of this away just so I can like literally play. I am a child of God in the key of C on my guitar <laughs> and we can move on. Uh, but that would, but then that like makes them cry. Cause I'm like grabbing harmonicas out of crying children's hands <laughs> and do stuff. So we're going to figure that out. Maybe we'll just play the music on something. I don't know, but I thought it'd be fun to play. Um, it's an interesting challenge though, doing all of this. And we talked about, we still had a, we had a bishopric meeting on Sunday virtually and talked about a lot about just how are we going to handle all this going forward? What are our plans going to be? And I know, of course, every stake is different. I've seen a lot of stuff online where some stake presidents are just saying no one's getting the sacrament. Mm-hmm. And uh, some well, are didn't like the, uh, the instruction when the church announced no more <clears throat> sacrament meetings for the foreseeable future, they did put into that letter an instruction that uh, local units need to find a way for people to get the sacrament at least once a month. Exactly. And I saw that too. So the big debate we had is uh, it's not a big deal for me in my home. 
right? We're fortunate. I have the priesthood. We can do this. Good deal. Uh, there are, of course, many situations uh, where there is not the priesthood in the home. And naturally, the ministering brothers are the ones to call upon to do that. But we got really in the weeds on what's the best way to facilitate it. And I love everyone's feedback from our listeners on this, uh, just what you're doing, your awards or what your standards are. Because I mean, that's some of the, basically the, the concern, of course, is germs and cleanliness and all these things. I mean, we had, because some parties felt like <clears throat> the sacrament's important. We want to maintain the the reverence and some of the ceremony of it. So like you want to go to someone's house and be there and bless the sacrament and administer it to them. And most of the time, I would say that seems like a perfectly good idea. But on the other side, you had some who said, yeah, but if we're talking about a, a disease that doesn't have any symptoms at first, like, because I guess I've, there's other, I've never done this myself, but there's some who say they would get on the phone or on a video chat remotely and the, the individual blessing the sacrament would have pieces of bread already torn up with him and then like an open container of water and bless both of them and then seal the bread up in a baggie and the water and then like drop it off at their house after the fact, after all the prayers and just say, enjoy. That way <laughs> they don't actually transfer anything. That's way less personal, but I also understand it for, if we're extremely concerned about home visits, how that's one way to go about it. Because I like I get it. Like you just don't, someone might not seem sick, but we just don't know. Right. right. And, uh, and I don't know what the, I don't know what mechanics others are embracing. I think this is stuff we're, we're still sorting out here in my ward. Well, I've seen some reports and actually there was a, a, um, an article in, was it desert? No, it was the church news. There was an article they were talking about, uh, different people and how they observed their first, you know, home Sunday. Oh yeah. This article. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because some people talked about, um, how they did some sort of a live stream where they were invited other people to join them in their sort of quote unquote sacrament meeting, which yeah, of course would yeah. preclude like, as far as I know, I don't know how this works theologically, but I don't think we've been given permission to say a prayer and have people in remote locations have bread in front of them that receives that blessing. And that would be an interesting theological, uh, rabbit hole to go down but still regardless of not being able to administer the sacrament remotely um people were still trying to share in like you know here's what we're doing and they would have like a talk or a discussion or something like that to bring people together at least virtually even though they couldn't gather in person i thought that was cool and i think you can totally do i think even outside of a sacrament meeting like i'm really hoping that especially for youth and above teachers that like you're gospel doctrine teacher, maybe we'll take the time to say, no, I, I, I'll host a web chat for the lesson, mm -hmm. like at this time, you know, I'll hop on here. Here's a link. Hop on there with me if you're here's interested. Here's the Zoom and, meeting, right? Exactly. Like do a Zoom meeting or a Google Hangout or whatever and still do your lesson. Like it might be a little less formal. It might be a different format, but there's no reason you can't do that. And I think that'd be a great way to, to encourage continuity Wouldn't without being- I, I know air. Google Hangouts has a limit of like 10 different channels coming in. I don't know if Zoom has a similar limit. So I think you would still have to have smaller classes, but you're right. I mean, there's no reason we can't do something to encourage like breakout groups like that. We've been already been told that under Come Follow Me that we're encouraged to gather in informal groups. Uh, maybe this is a great opportunity for people to continue those informal groups, uh, but to do it you know, virtually and yeah, exactly. uh, keep us in communion with each other as far communion, not in the sense of the sacrament, but communion in the sense of fellowship, uh, spending time and, and discussing the gospel together. Yeah. I think it's a smart idea. Also in this article, you mentioned a couple things in it. One, it totally was weird for me to read through it because when they have the section called Northeastern Spain, they briefly profiled a family in Tarragona, which was like the longest area in my mission. And I know Carmen and Jose. Oh, you do. So I, not well, but they were in my ward. There's only one ward there in Tarragona. That's fantastic. And, and I was there for six months. I was kind of like, well, that's random. There's my beloved favorite area of my entire mission. So good to see them. But I would also like to make a quick, this is me digging and me being Jeff, the polemicist. Jeff, the irascible fool. However, every picture they show of how these families are worshiping alone or at home on Sundays, the men are all in white shirts and ties. Now, I don't I don't knock anybody for doing that. If that's your thing, that's fine. Like, go ahead. More power to you. But I just worry about the church inadvertently sending a message that like this is the standard that you need to 
work up to while we're doing this. And that's not to say there's not value in trying to make it feel different. Like I think that is important, you know, not just treat it like a quick chat as a family and whatever you want to do. But I just thought it stuck out a lot looking through this, like every single man is in a white shirt and a tie. Like yeah. almost, at, it's almost like they went out of their way to demonstrate this. Cause I guarantee, I, I don't know what the spread is. This is for you listeners to sound off on our Facebook or email us, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. I really want to know what the actual norm is as far as how you are dressing up for church at home and whether this truly represents what people are aiming for or if this is the church selectively publishing something to put off a certain image. So I will um, admit uh, for our listeners that, you know, you mentioned that you, you know, you wanted to kind of dress up at least a little bit to to, to make the, the occasion different. I felt the same way, but the difference is, I was still in my pajamas at the point where we started to prepare for our sacrament meeting. And I thought, I don't really want to bless the sacrament in my pajamas. That doesn't feel right. But I, rather right. than like right. put on a full on, I'm going to church outfit. And maybe I should have. Um, I went ahead and put on a good, you know, a nice non beaten up pair of jeans. I put on a black t-shirt that uh, also like, I feel like is one of my nicer t-shirts and, I felt like that was going to comb my hair, wash my face, you know, made myself presentable like I was going to go outside. Uh, but I didn't dress up. And I and I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's wrong or if it's right or if there is a value, like some sort of moral value judgment to be applied to it at all. But I did not put on a white shirt and tie. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're supposed to. And I know that they one of the things that was encouraged um, in the email that they sent out where they said, oh, you have, you know, our, our stake has given us permission to have the sacrament in our homes. They did encourage us all to read the section in the handbook that talks about the administration of the sacrament. And, and I know that that section does encourage the wearing of a tie. The wearing- new, but it, well, it might sort of of a tie, but the new handbook also got rid of the specific reference to wear a white shirt. As it should have. That never should have been in the manual in the first place. Which was interesting. So Right. So I'm I'm all for it. Like it's a priesthood ordinance. Look your best. And I care a lot about it because I want to help show my kids that we're doing something different, you know, so they don't just feel it's like like the same old whatever. Yeah, um, so I think I, next I, week at the very least, I'll put on a shirt with a collar to just to show that same yeah, that idea that it's this is different. This is a sacred ordinance, and I don't think the Lord, I, I you know, going back to like the that old seminary scripture about how the Lord looketh on the heart, right? I honestly don't think exactly. the Lord cares that much what color shirt or if I'm wearing a tie, but I think He cares what I think of His ordinances, and I and that's a way to show Him what I think. So yeah, I've just convinced myself that I should have dressed up a little more. I, this is this is confessional time on this week in Mormons. Yeah, and I might do the same. I don't know. I'm still weighing it, but I still just kind of laughed at that article being like so over yeah. the top homogenous right. in its right. presentation of things. Okay, uh, let's see here. A couple of quick other restrictions and things we are facing. Yeah, what if we like? There's there's like a list. Should we kind of rapid fire through these and see and just throw we, in comments where we want to? A, so I'll do a couple here. So. Uh, you might have seen BYU, every BYU campus, okay, all three of them. Uh, commencements at BYU were all canceled straight up. They're just not going to do commencements. Uh, and this was, of course, this was middle of last week before a lot of the, at least the United States, a lot of the suggested restrictions on assembly. Now it's down to about 10 people at once. Um, it was much more than that at this time. It was something like 200. But either way, that's it's way more when you're all in the uh, Marriott Center. So they canceled BYU commencement. They closed a number of other temples. There's been even more since then. But back then, they closed the Boston, Massachusetts Temple, Copenhagen, Denmark, Louisville, Kentucky, Manhattan, New York, and Lisbon, Portugal. And also, they canceled the BYU Women's Conference. They're still looking to see if they can stream it in some way. But uh, unfortunately, that's a great event they do every year. But that is also not to be. So uh, big shutdowns. And, And since then, even when that happened, BYU started canceling classes altogether and right. it's uh, all gone arranging, online now. Yeah. arranging for online meetings. So, yep. yep. Uh, then along those same lines, as we, as we push through some more of these cancellations and changes, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square is not going to be doing live music in the spoken word broadcasts anymore, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, so the article was interesting. They pointed out that this broadcast has actually been going on for 90 years, and they have never missed a weekly broadcast in those 90 years. But that was with the caveat that some of a lot of those broadcasts, like especially during uh, World War II, 
uh, were repeats. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, they've they've done repeats before, right? Yeah, this is nothing new. But this is this will be an extended period of repeats. So they will continue to do the weekly broadcast. They're not they're not going to interrupt their and and you know uh, kill their record that they've set because they, as far as I know, this is the longest ongoing unbroken broadcast in the history of radio and television. I believe um, so. So yeah, so those will continue, but they will be reruns. Uh, so yeah. So just uh, no more live for a while, which makes sense. Yeah, all of this makes sense. Yeah. Um, some other quick stuff, the evolving situation for missionaries. Uh, lots been, this is still ongoing. So I'll try to work my way through it to make sense. So uh, middle of last week, yeah, about just about, I think it was last Wednesday or so, uh, the church announced some severe restrictions on how missionaries would be trained going forward. So all missionaries scheduled to enter the MTCs in Provo, Utah, or Preston, England, so scheduled to enter, not already there, would be trained remotely via video conference. Um, That's cool. And then missionaries, there's smaller MTCs around the world, of course. And so uh, for those missionaries that are, I believe, coming from countries in question, like, oh, sorry, just the I, I use the example in the piece, basically, like, let's say the MTC in Madrid was still open. It's not. It closed uh, a year and a half ago. But say if it were, uh, and a missionary was from Italy going to serve in Spain, which was not uncommon for my time there, this missionary, because it's Italy and Italy is locked down hardcore, they would not be allowed over to Spain in order to do it. So it's sort of on a case-by-case basis, depending on the country of origin. Um Missionaries, of course, are all going to see receive updates regarding the length of their training schedules, other logistics, all sorts of stuff. I guess this means, like, say you're just supposed to go to Provo. Do you just, like, stay at home and get trained? I mean, we know they have, they do some pre-language training now that's virtual, like, with the yes. group that's going to be your district. I mean, right. we learned this specifically, like, when I was up in your ward a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, a young lady was going to go see a young lady we knew. And she was going on her mission and she was learning Armenian and they actually prepped them in advance, like with the missionaries that you'll be with in the MTC to learn Armenian. So I assume they're embracing that sort of structure, but I guess it's still got to be different when you get, just go and get set apart at your stake center. And then it's like, well, let's go home. And, uh, well, you know, well, well, that's uh, interesting. I guess they Aiden, would still have Aiden, to follow Aiden. mission rules and go over with a companion and things like that. That's what I'm saying. So I guess there's an element to that, but you're just like hanging out at home doing your, your thing. Um, now, since then, they've updated a few more issues here. So multiple changes for missionaries. Um, some in the United States and Canada might even go home early. So basically, if you have, if, what, if you've served for like 21 months, I think, you might be released after 21 months if your assignment is scheduled to end on or before September 1st. Right. They're just going to release you early and say that is that, all because of COVID-19. Well, and in addition to that, I, I don't think you've mentioned this yet, but um, s- uh, senior couples as well as some oh, yeah. younger missionaries, like you know the, the 18 to 20-year-olds who uh, have poor health issues, they might go ahead and just release them uh, regardless of the length of service. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what you've seen here locally, but like our sister missionaries in our ward at first said that they were just completely restricted, could not do any, go in anyone's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, all their teaching was going to be virtual. That's since been updated a little bit uh, from per the mission president's guidelines that they can go in people's homes, depending on you know a number of factors. But I know for a lot of missionaries, I think right now it's just you're pretty much holed up. And thank goodness we have technology. And you can share stuff from your little smartphone. Yeah, virtual teaching will continue. And I wonder how how effective and far-reaching that is. Like how many people are they able to find virtually and, and then and teach then, them? And then what do, you, what do you do? Like if someone's genuinely progressing, even if it's virtual, you can't realistically invite them to baptism right. and hold nope. a baptismal service. I mean, yeah, I saw we, we had a child of record baptism in my ward, but that was just because it was already planned and it wasn't going to change. But other than that, right. you're not going to plan a new one at this stage. Well, we have a... a convert baptism planned in my ward and i'm not sure how that's proceeding or if it is proceeding if they're going to try and ha- have to postpone i mean i would assume if they're doing living ordinances in the temple still and i guess True. we haven't addressed that yet then we would True. still allow for living ordinances um in general so yeah i don't i don't know how that's going to work though i mean I'm, I'm sure they would probably limit the size of attendance um, possibly to even you know to make sure it's fewer than 10 people and just have i guess you know a member of the bishopric there the missionaries, the person being baptized, two witnesses, and 
I don't know, someone to play the piano. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Me neither. I don't know what to do because you can't just like halt the work entirely. It's, you know, one of the most important things we're doing. And right. Uh, it's like, what do you it, do? What, what, is, what, what is it? What, what do we call it again? The Great Commission? Yeah. Yeah. The Great Commission from Jesus to I mean, preach I, the gospel I it was to incon- the world. Like, I thought it was inconvenient on my mission when we had to go under house arrest for a little while because of all the protests against the, against the Iraq war. But that was like a matter of a couple of days. Like, what do you do yeah. in this sort of situation? That was, oh, man. I don't know. I don't know either. It's tough. Still um, figuring it out. Pushing forward, uh, we already kind of mentioned this. Uh, well, I mentioned that uh, from Jan Reese's article, uh, no one will be in attendance in general conference, which is interesting because not only will nobody be in attendance in the conference center, but like I said, I think I said this already, um, no one will be in attendance at stake centers even. We've yeah. instructed to yeah. stay home and watch online, which thankfully most of us uh, have that ability. Like I'm sure there are people in some of the more – uh, remote areas of the world who may not have internet access. And I feel poorly for them. Like they probably depended on um, a, a, a church building to be able to gather and watch that. So I, I hope there the church is trying to figure out some way to make sure that these messages can reach them, especially since, um, you know, we don't know when we're going to be able to gather again, but uh, on a lighter note, uh, this is something that you guys actually already posted to the twin page on Facebook with somebody at Abigail service underscore on Twitter uh, cracked the following line, which, which was pretty good. She said with the public not being allowed into the LDS general conference, I guess the apostles will just be preaching to the choir. Hey, yeah, no, actually, that's pretty witty. I think it's pretty funny because, because so we didn't specify this. So, yeah, conference is still happening. The general authorities are still going to be in the conference center. The choirs will still be in there. Right. Basically, the whole podium area will be filled up, but nobody's going to be sitting out in the seats. So, right. That's Along those lines, gonna, yeah. another joke I saw on Twitter, and um, this is this won't do this won't play as well on an audio medium, but uh, it showed like Henry B. Iring, and he's saying like. Uh, all those who can sustain these men as prophets and revelator, please indicate by the raising of the right hand. Oh yeah, when they do that, yeah, and, then, and, and it's the next uh, picture just showed an empty conference center. <laughs> like, yeah, so he's not going to be able to see any actual hands raised in affirming, uh, sustaining, and uh, nor will he see any objections, which I, I guess is, I don't know, kind of. I guess finally, no, no one's going to be yelling opposed from the Raptors yeah. this time around. As you uh, asked in one of your twim articles on the blog. Where will the protesters go? I mean, I guess they could still stand outside the building. There just won't be anyone walking around to entertain them. Well, if there's not more than 10 of them, and if they stand six feet apart from each other, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Let's see. If there's 10 of them six feet apart, that probably almost covers like the block between Main Street and like West Temple. Mm-hmm. could cover the whole thing. Just nice, nice even spread. Uh, I'm. I, I, this is necessary but I feel bad for anybody in the PR realm because this will be a conference without any of those beautiful photos from in the ensign of all the people around Temple Square enjoying conference, of a full conference center, people standing and the singing and all this stuff. You know, unless we have some AV guys that do think it's funny to do a slow pan across an empty room, <laughs> I I think they'll probably put a. Uh, you know, nix that uh, from from the beginning. It's going to be a lot. Just that little aspect of it's going to be a lot different, though. Like I imagine they're just going to go out of their way not to show anybody there, so right. everything will be very focused on the podium, and that is it. Well, I even in the, like the enzyme, you know, the the, the next month's enzyme always has I mean, all yeah, these pictures little, on Temple well, Square. You know, there's always like a little kid pointing at a daffodil or a tulip or something like that, and like, yeah, there's not going to be any of that. Exactly. There's the pictures by the Relief Society building and everyone hanging out by the giant fountain in front of the temple. All that. Of course, then again, this might be a good time to have <laughs> nobody picture pictures because uh, the Salt oh, Lake is under construction. Clo- the Salt yeah. Lake Temple is closed and they're digging it up. So I yeah. guess if you're gonna have a, I mean, that's gonna be for years. But hey. Why not have it be right now when Temple Square is kind of a mess to begin with True. For, the, for the time being? Um, I uh, Yeah, so that's all going to be fun. I think we'll have to play some kind of conference bingo, which is always fun to play. But this time around, it's going to be curious. How many are going to make some kind of a joke about the place being empty? How many will make some kind of an, a reference to, aren't we glad we have home-centered church? How, you know, how prophetic that was, something along those lines. Which... I actually very much believe at this point. Um, yeah. 
And then, of course, I'm just hoping we have a laugh track. Or an <laughs> a laugh amen. track. Or an applause track. Oh, no, no, or no a, applause or, track. No, a, silent, a, a, a reverent, yeah, a reverent amen a reverent track. A, a reverent amen track when they finish. People, you'll hear that. So, um, oh, go ahead. Or when President Nelson tells a bad joke, they'll give him some fake laughter. Because he likes to tell things that he thinks are funny. He, you can tell when he's really pleased with himself, even if it's not that funny. And so we've got to give that to him. You'll just get some hearty chuckles from the 70. That's what, that's what you'll get. All those knee slappers, man. Elder Bowen's going to be up there just slapping that knee. Just <laughs> slapping it so hard. So you mentioned uh, conference bingo, and something kind of funny came up on KSL.com. So KSL... Is like I mean, well, it's a church-owned site, right? But it's a yeah. it's a legit news site. Yes. And, but there was this article that ran, um, call, and the the headline was: "Your kids will love this gospel-centered activity between conference sessions." And it's sort of like this, you know, some people do this to help their kids get through conference, and some people do that. And it turns out that the whole article is just an advertisement for a a an yep. LDS Lego knockoff called Brickham Young. Yep. Brick M Young, like Brick Them Young, but it oh, sounds yes. like Brigham Young. Do you guys get it? Do you guys get how clever? Anyway, uh, and it, it does too. In the defense of the KSL or whatever, if this is defense, it actually the byline is by Brickham Young. I know, <laughs> and then and then right underneath it, it says there's the Brickham Young logo, and it says this story is sponsored by Brickham Young, and so it's so funny because I started reading this without having paid attention to that top matter stuff, the byline and stuff. Uh, and I was like, this just reads like an advertisement. And it turns out it is. I And it, it's a news site, but they ran an article style. That's native advertising, man. That's what, that's exactly what that is. I guess it just felt, that is native, that felt is kind of cheap. I will say this. So uh, one of my sisters-in-law, she has uh, three young boys and they, you know, love Legos and such, but um, they have a Brickham Young set of the nativity and it's, it's decent. Like a lot of the, the your off-brand Legos just aren't good because, you know, they don't actually fit together or they're... They, they or don't they, have that that Danish welfare state mentality. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. right. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. could really tell that they're lacking in... You really justice. feel like the social, like the, <laughs> the support network is there. Right. Yeah. But no, I mean, either a lot, a lot of Lego knockoffs, either they don't fit together, like you can't get them to snap, or they fit together so loosely that they just fall apart. And the Brick and Young set, at least the one I saw of the Nativity, it was pretty good. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not saying they're good or bad. I just think it's funny that it's like, Hey, here's a really good way for your kids to pay attention during conference or between sessions. And oh, never mind, It's an advertisement. It's not an article. It's I, you called it native advertising. That's I actually call it ter- selling out. <laughs> no, well, that's actually the term for it. So this happens a lot in the media lately. And it's, you have these entire articles that are advertisements, but they're written or published to look like regular articles. They have some kind of a small disclaimer to, Oh, they'll call it like sponsored post. It'll just uh-huh. be something like that. And that's called native advertising. I think there's actually an entire John Oliver segment about that from a few years ago. Uh, I should watch it because honestly, it makes me feel a little icky. And <laughs> I thought it was just, aside from it being an ad, it kind of cracked me up because I was like, dude, we are in like coronavirus DEFCON 1 right now. And this is just some random, hey, you can stay entertained between conference, dun, dun, like as if nothing else was going on, as if this was conference six months ago. <laughs> it didn't matter. Just jumping right in. It is funny what the jokes have been. President Nelson promised a conference, you know, like no other. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I know, I'm sure there. all of us have had this thought independent of all the people posting oh. that thought, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, another quick, so some other changes here. We haven't talked a ton about temples, but, uh, initially the church effect suspended temple work. Broadly speaking, some temples are still open though. This was the question when the church said they were shutting everything down, it seemed implied that that would, also include temples, but not quite. So what we have here is that if there are government restrictions in place, like for any public gatherings, like we've seen that, there's just no temple proxy living ordinances. They're all suspended. If restrictions are not in place in that capacity, you can carry out ordinances for living persons only. For some reason, it says by appointment only, but like, aren't they always by appointment when it's for living ordinances? Yes. And, um, but that's it. Okay. So you can only do living ordinances, no proxy work in the temples that remain open and all the patron housing is closed. So we learned that this freaked some people out because <laughs> we published this and immediately on our wall, some folks commented like, yeah, I'm supposed to get married in like three weeks. 
So am I going to get to go at all? Or is this going to be too restricted for me? Um, the church clarified a little bit more today. Yes, today I think it was. So uh, updating some of the information about that. So now there's 35 temples closed. Last week it was only like seven. So that number shot up a ton. And I can I could read the whole list, but it's a a lot of temples are closed. However, the nice thing to know is we understand a little bit more about what's happening if you're for living ordinances, specifically if it was a ceiling or if you were taking out, or sorry, not taking out. Oh, excuse me, receiving your endowment. Oh my gosh, um, Jeff. But Jeff. they li- they are limited. You're limited to eight guests. So if you are getting married, aside from yourself and your soon to be spouse, you can invite eight people to your ceiling, and they're only doing one at a time per temple if I'm reading that correctly. So, uh, and they're also going to stagger this deliberately. So people, if they're in temples that have, you know, waiting rooms, substantial ones, whatever, that those aren't getting filled up, all that sort of thing. So you can still get married, but you're going to have to be pretty choosy about who's there. Because if you already do like mom and dad on both sides, if that's the case, then boom, that's half of your attendee list already shot. Well, I know I've got a friend that I grew up with who has nine siblings aside from his parents. So what would you do in a case like that where you were part of a big LDS family and you couldn't have all of your siblings at your ceiling? Yeah. So there's the question. But at the same time, initially, I think a lot of people were wondering, well, if I can't, because the church did update um, temple rules last year, you know, there's no longer the old penalty period, as we call it. If you got married civilly, you know, you couldn't go to the temple for a year. They got rid of that completely. So before this evolved, you could have said, oh, I'll just go get married civilly then if the temple's closed, and then we'll just get sealed when it reopens. But even now, if you were going to do like a civil ceremony somewhere, that's going to be restricted at this point too. Yeah. By how, how many people can, I mean, it's not against the law or anything yet. We're not under like government, we're not under martial law. As Marco Rubio spells it, martial with the S-H-A-L-L spelling, mm-hmm. martial law. Um, yeah, it's named after missed- uh, Marshall Dillon from Gunsmoke. I think that's where yeah. the term comes from. If you missed that tweet, it's hilarious. He's going off on how there's no martial law, but he didn't spell it M-A-R. T-I-A-L, which is how you spell martial law. So good job, Marco Rubio, the pride of Florida. But uh, you can still go to the temple, but it's not going to be everything you were dreaming of. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. However, on the lighter side, on the positive side of temple news, uh, aside from the restrictions, we did have an announcement this week, which is interesting because especially as everything's being shut down and restricted, the church went ahead and announced the groundbreaking date for the Auckland, New Zealand temple, which is great. Like this is one of the, was this not the first uh, temple that um, President Nelson announced uh, when he uh, became president of the church? No, no. No, because they announced it in October eighteen, and he his first conference was April of eighteen. Okay. It was one of it was one of many. Okay, but so uh, okay, so still so it's uh, yeah, it was it was, but it was, it's uh, still it was very announced special. yeah about almost two years ago, well a year and a half ago, and uh, yeah, they finally announced the groundbreaking that'll be on Saturday, June thirteenth, twenty twenty. So we're assuming, I guess, that that will go forward. I guess they'll just keep it a small groundbreaking service. Yeah, um, yeah, and they also announced the location. If 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 any of our listeners are from the Auckland area in New Zealand, they said that the temple will be located on Redoubt Road in Manukau. If I said that correctly, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. It'll be and the article also notes that um, it'll be the second temple built in New Zealand following the Hamilton New Zealand Temple. Yeah. So the Hamilton one is old school. The Hamilton one was built in the fifties. Oh, so I, I was not aware of that. So that's great. I love that uh, uh, New Zealand's getting its second temple, and I love it that is. apparently we're just moving forward. These things you were kind of making doubtful noises there, though. Um, no, 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 no. I think I'm glad they're doing this. I was just going to say I've been tracking how more and more temples are being uh, the artist renderings are coming out, mm-hmm. and they. Many are lacking the a statue of the angel Moroni, and oh, I've tried right. to investigate a lot about if there's a rule about which ones do and don't. And I've actually kind of hit a lot of dead ends. Like I've tried to talk to people in the temple department, and you just get something like these decisions rest with the first presidency. I'm like, well, that's that's I believe that. I want to know. I just want to know why. Like what what's behind that? Um, this one lacks a statue of. Moroni. Usually you've seen it on either some of these really new small ones that are going to be coming out like Puerto Rico and Guam uh, or the one in France just doesn't have a spire so it makes sense or the ones in like Haiti or the DRC are very are a lot more austere but this one for example looks pretty 
it's kind of the anonymous contemporary style of a lot of temples we put in. And you'd see every reason why there would be a Moroni on top of it. But it doesn't have one for some reason. I don't know why that is. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what's – and I'm seeing a little bit more of that with some of the recent designs. Uh, of course, all the ones announced for Utah have the Moroni because Utah is just better, I guess, more righteous. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I'd like to see a source for that. Did, did I'd you like know, to see some raw data on that, Jeff. I actually started a spreadsheet last year trying to track new temples announced that had no Moroni because I was trying to see if there were common threads. No, I meant sense. data on the righteousness of Utah. So, Oh, there's a lot of it. Did you know by quick, quick trivia – our Washington DC temple is one of only five temples that actually has um, the angel Moroni holding the golden plates. Yeah. I mean, I knew that there were several different um, artists uh, who did the different Moronis. And like, I learned that I, I probably only about like 10 years ago, I, I remember being kind of astounded at how many different Moronis there were. It's become, I think fairly standardized now, but, um, but yeah, the, yeah, that's interesting that some, uh, Moroni's have plates, some don't, um, some of them look young, some of them look old. Um, but yeah. And I, like, I believe also the Moroni on the, um, Los Angeles temple, for example, Moroni looks more Nephite ish, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while, but even some of the styles of the Moroni's, yeah, very, yeah. it's kind of cool. While we're on trivia, I want to, sorry, I wanted to, th- we, I meant to th- mention this back when we were talking about, um, no, no, having no sacrament meetings you know we threw in that little historical tidbit about the last time that conference wasn't uh, attended by the public was in world war ii tad walsh from the desert news he uh did a little research with the church history department and talked to matthew grow who's the managing director of the church history department and he said that regarding um not having sacrament meeting or having sunday services it says uh, he matthew grow said sunday services at the ward level were not held from October to December 1918 after the Utah Board of Health issued a ban on public gatherings. Now, that, uh, as our history savvy uh, listeners will know, that's during the Spanish influenza crisis uh, pandemic. And so I thought that was interesting that, like, I was wondering this myself, like, when was the last time the church just put a blanket hold on church meetings, including sacrament meetings. And as far as I can tell, it was over a hundred years ago. And and I, it doesn't say anything about it being a worldwide um, edict, but at least in the state of Utah, there were about three months where there were no Sunday meetings held. And I think that's super right. interesting. Yeah. So it, again, strange times that we're living in. Uh, I'm sure nobody living right now actually can remember that. That, that was like 102 years ago. Yeah. Well, okay. By the way, for everything COVID-19 coronavirus, Jared was nice enough to dig up that there is a a portal of sorts at the newsroom page. There's a lot of articles about the coronavirus right now. There's one that is frequently updated that sort of contains links to all these different subject areas we've talked about because they're updating the articles that that reference these things. Uh, So it's a nice place to go to. They'll show the data was updated with the most recent information. Like you can find out Updates on Roots Tech London. Is it happening? Is it not? Well, on March 13th was the last update where they told us that they are postponing Roots Tech until autumn, for example. But missionary work, preventive measure members or measures for members, preventive pr- measures for members. That's how mm. we would say that. Yes. We're from Utah. Temple Worship, Temple Square, Tab Cats. Anyways, one portal, a place where you can find basically all this information updated as it goes. We'll in case put that link up on the on the website and yeah, on we'll the and on the Facebook page for sure. We'll have it up there. Do we even want to deal with any of the news that wasn't COVID nineteen this week? I don't know. Do you care? Um, I don't know. I mean, we're coming up uh, against our time, our, our normal time limit. So maybe a lot of I think all of these were posted on the Facebook page. So maybe maybe we can forego. I think we I think we've we covered the, the breaking and important news. I believe we have as well. So go to our Facebook page if you want to find other juicy, juicy content. At least three more things than what we've talked about today. Yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls, forgeries, not well, the main ju- ones. Just, just the ones that the ones. Museum of the Bible in Washington. Yeah, just other, just other, other ones. Kind of like how right. the International Spy Museum doesn't have any spies in it. What's up with that? Yeah, it has pictures of spies. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know how they're making money. They've got this big old new building. Anyway, everybody, uh, we hope you're doing okay. We're still going to be twimming it up. You know, this is. I feel like Twim has man has finally come into its own, and that this has always been a virtual show done remotely, and now it's benefiting us immensely. That I've we've, never we've been, been preparing for this. I've I've spent ten years never 
only on occasion having somebody sitting next to me in the same room to record the show. And now it's, uh, now it's all coming home. So, uh, we'll still be around like normal. Um, all the typical things you look forward to, who knows what's going to happen this conference, but we're hoping to have our temple predictions coming up and all the business as usual for conference recapping that. Cause I can't believe it's only a couple of weeks away now, which seems weird to me. I feel like conference is still three months away, well, but it's, it's going to be a, a weird conference too. So it's going to be super, super interesting. So we'll ride, be here for all of that. that feeling. Yeah. And in the intervening weeks, of course, uh, as we all just sort of navigate our new paradigm together. So we hope you're all doing okay. Err on the side of caution. Uh, I, I'm paraphrasing something I saw. I hate memes, but something I saw online that basically said, when this is all said and done, people will complain that we overreacted, that we did too much, and only a few people died. And that is the point, everyone, that we overreacted enough that only a few people died versus what could happen if we do nothing. So to that. So let's overreact in this case, not be hysterical about it and not hoard toilet paper and all that blah, blah, blah. But let's let's overreact and be extra cautious. I don't want anything to happen to any of you, our dear listeners. You are important to us. You are our brothers and sisters. Um, so be safe. Wash your hands. All that good stuff. Distance thyself socially. Uh, Jared, are you still podcasting? Do you want to plug anything or is that just like whatever? Ooh, uh, we're a little behind on the podcast. Uh, we'll resume. We'll resume soon. Uh, I don't have any. I don't think I have anything else to plug right now. Just um, be good to each other, like Jeff said. That's what. That's my plug: is uh, love thy neighbor as thyself, and that may mean uh, helping out somebody who needs something brought over to them. But that also more likely means staying away from them and reaching out virtually and letting them know you're there for them, that you're uh, want to talk with them and socialize them with them, but uh, from uh, you know from a distance. And this was actually a fitting week for all this to happen because Jacob too was part of the Come Follow Me study for the week. Uh, and so if you were reading that, a lot of it deals primarily with, you know, not, not uh, of course, deals with not loving riches per se, but it deals with sharing that which we have with clothing the naked, liberating the captive, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a good message to keep with us as we go throughout the rest of all this time right now to uh let's let's look out for other people and not just be hoarders you know looking out only for ourselves so um that's gonna be that so jared thanks a lot buddy good to have you here it's always a pleasure jeff i i, I enjoy doing this much appreciated, sir. So everyone, thanks for tuning in. We hope you're doing well. You can uh, join us, of course, at facebook.com slash This Week in Mormons. Follow us on Twitter at The Real Twim, uh, at This Week in Mormons on Instagram, and send us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Hit that subscribe button on your podcatchers and leave us a review. It would mean a whole lot. So for Jared, I'm Jeff. This has been This Week in Mormons. Be well, be holy, and wash your stinking hands. Everything.